You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Claire Stanley, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at ACB, and... Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. So thank you, everyone, to for joining us again. Whether you are listening over ACB radio or your favorite podcast player. And as always, you can find out more about ACB and how to become a member at acb.org. Clark, have you been practicing? You sound a lot like a game show host announcer. You know, I just try to spice it up and have some fun every once in a while. Yeah? Do do you practice in your shower at home like that? Do you? Yeah. Well, no, I sing in the shower. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That'll be a different episode. When I practice, it's usually to our dogs, who are pets, not to be confused with the topic at hand. Ah, I see what you did there. I gotcha. I like it. Good transition. Because we are talking about flying dogs. See, I'm trying the voice now, too. (laughs) Not a bird, not a plane, but a dog in a plane. That's right. Um, So yeah, we are here to talk about a final statement that came out um, about two weeks ago um, in late July from the Federal Aviation Administration under the Department of Transportation to talk about what exactly is going on with service animals as they pertain to the Air Carriers Access Act and flying on airplanes here in the U.S. Because there's been a whole lot of confusion as to what animals are allowed on planes and what animals are not and what the definition of a service animal is versus an emotional support animal versus a psychiatric animal. Because it's not, we don't just have two as we usually do under the ADA, but under the Air Carriers Access Act, we have three different types of dogs. Um, So Clark, let's unpack this a little bit. Um, So what exactly is this final statement that came out? Um, Late July, 2019, what was one of the first things it talked about? Oh, wow, you really just put me on the spot there. Um, Basically, yeah. For for our members, yeah, let's let's go back even a little bit further. So the Air Carrier Access Act. um, Or the ACAA, yeah. ACAA. That covers how, like you just said, how service animals, emotional support, and psychiatric support animals, not not only dogs, but animals, are mm-hmm. treated while flying. And basically exactly. like, throughout the entire air travel experience. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's probably it's probably a little confusing. People might be scratching their heads because we often pound into people the definition of a service animal versus an emotional support animal because it's a big issue in the U.S. right now. Um, so under the Americans with Disabilities Act, the only animals that can be service animals are dogs and that really fun little exception for miniature horses, which we won't really talk about, but it makes us all giggle. Um, But most of us know that definition, but under the Air Carriers Act, suddenly any animal can be um, an emotional support animal or a psychiatric animal. So suddenly we open the floodgates to all kinds of different animals. And I'm sure lots of people have heard those fun stories of 
for instance, the woman who tried to bring a peacock on the plane. And so all kinds of different stories out there. And one of my favorite sugar gliders. That's right. Sugar gliders. Yep. Which yep. adorable name. I'm still not even really sure what it is. I think it's some um, similar to a flying squirrel. That's, uh, that's my understanding too, but I can't fully define it either. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a big distinction for, you know, emotional and psychiatric support animals, keyword there being support animals, mm-hmm. um, and the protections within the law are different for those than they are for service animals. Exactly. Uh, service animals are like cream of the crop, you know, tip of the pyramid, the pinnacle, best of the best, sir, with honors. Um, don't say that too loud because my guide dog is going to hear that and her head is already too big. So she's just going to, you know, get an even bigger head. (laughs) So Claire, ACB and the membership passed a resolution in 2018. Uh, We did. What was going on last year that made this such a big issue that we needed to have a resolution focusing on this? So it was kind of what's going on now coming to a point. And that's actually why the um, Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, um, put out this final statement. So it's been a problem that's been going on for quite some time where people have been bringing every animal under the sun onto planes. And it's really tough because we know what the definition of a service animal is. So as far as what animals we can bring on the plane, we meaning the blind community, if it's a guide dog, service animal, it's pretty obvious and there's not a lot of debate that whether our dogs can or can't go on planes. So as far as it goes for us, we are fine. However, the other issues that have been arising that impact us that we started talking about last summer and that continue on today are kind of the side effects that have resulted with this rush, I guess I'll use or, you know, flood of different issues have been one, other animals interfering with our guide dogs. So yapping at our dogs, lunging at our dogs, those kinds of things. And then as a result, because of these situations where dogs are trying to interact with our guide dogs, policies that airlines have been putting out there to try to remedy the problems, but as a result have a negative impact on us, such as requiring us to bring paperwork, proving that our guide dog is in fact a service animal, um, asking us to give um, uh, early notification that we're flying, which we'll talk about in a minute, because under these new this new statement, that's not permitted anymore. Um, so yeah, everything that started in 2018 kind of started as a result of what's been going on on airlines and has just continued forward from 2018 into 2019. Yeah, and it's, it's important to point out that airlines don't have it out for service animals. You know, they're no, not. No, they're, no, no. Yeah. you know, um, twisting the end of their mustache or stroking their chin <laughs> or beard, thinking like, how can I get those service animals? It's I'll get you and your little dog too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're trying to make a, a safe and harmonious travel experience for everyone. Um, but when folks bring ill-behaved animals onto planes, and use the the guise of a service animal or emotional support animal because they don't want to pay an extra fee for having an animal in the cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
then it casts those animals who are properly trained and behaving properly in a bad light. So exactly. the airlines look at the situation. It's like, well, crap, you know, we have all of these service animals and emotional support animals. We really need to get a handle on this problem. Yeah. And, and I can't even, I can't even really blame the airlines for getting a little flustered and frustrated because it has become such a flood of different claims and you know obviously ACB and we have starting starting with uh, Tony um, back a couple years ago back in 2018 and even before that working with some of the major airlines to try to um, explain what indeed is a service animal and how it works. Um, Tony Stevens did that. Um, so I can't completely blame these airlines, but it's been great that we've been able to work with them and, and say, you know, pump the brakes. We understand you're, you're flustered, but we need to explain what indeed is truly is a service animal. Um, and so we've been fortunate to one, be able to work with the airlines and then two, be able to work with the FAA, which is what we're talking about today. And this, um, final statement that came out in July. That's right. So the, in 2018 airlines, the especially the big airlines started to come out with their own policies, like Claire mentioned. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. There was also interim guidance from the U S department of transportation and the FAA on how to deal with service, emotional and psychiatric support animals. Um, and the reason we're having this podcast now is because the, after quite some time, the FAA quite some time, yeah. their <laughs> final enforcement statement um, that will govern how airlines are supposed to treat service, emotional support, and psychiatric support animals on planes. And from yep. here, I think from this point on, I think it's pretty safe that we can mainly focus on service animals, since that's uh, the most prominent one in use in the ACB community. And really exactly. yep. what we focused on when working with airlines and the Department of Transportation. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a few different elements that we can walk through that really impact the blind community and those of us who use guide dogs or service animals. Um, one of the first ones has to do with advance notice. So some mm -hmm. of the policies that were starting to pop up from airlines were saying that those of us who use guide dogs needed to tell the airlines in advance, sometimes up to 48 hours, each policy differed, but sometimes up to 48 hours in advance that we were going to come aboard with a service animal. And I think a lot of the airlines were thinking things like, you know, we want to know for safety reasons, again, because we've heard some stories where dogs have lunged or bit or those kinds of things. So they just wanted to have awareness of whether a dog would be on board. But I can tell you as a guide dog user myself, and I'm sure many of our listeners know, that's super frustrating. What if I suddenly decide tomorrow I need to get on a plane? Heaven forbid a family emergency comes up or right. Eric, Eric Bridges tells me, Claire, you're going to Canada. Or <laughs> who knows what comes up um, to have to know tw uh, 48 hours in advance or whatever it is. Um, isn't fair, is unrealistic, and, you know, and heaven forbid in an emergency, is undoable. Um, so in this statement, they said, unless the flight will be more than eight hours, which do the math, that means an international flight, that's a whole other thing. Um, but with that exception, airlines cannot ask for proof that it's a guide dog or a service dog. 
um, in advance notice that people have the freedom and the right to buy a ticket and go somewhere, you know, on the spot if they want to. Exactly. So again, you're saying that the, this enforcement policy begins, you know, really with the inception of your trip when you're booking a ticket exactly. and then yep. it'll carry you through the airport. And one of the big parts about that one is that, you know, we were all hearing stories about folks being denied access at the ticket counter because they booked a ticket in less than, you know, 48 hours. They were being told that they could not travel with their service animal, which is totally ridiculous. So we are yeah. grateful that the Department of Transportation um, took the feedback they received from the, the disability community and ACB members, Claire and Tony, um, and put this policy in the final enforcement statement. Exactly. So another element that came out that they talked about that I think is really important has to do with, um, let me back up, how do I say this? So a lot of times um, people talk about whether or not a animal is a direct threat is the language you hear. Um, and people want proof that the animal is not going to be a direct threat um, to the people around them. And again, this really is the the child or the product of animals that you hear about lunging or uh, biting or things like that. And so there's a new test that this um, statement talks about. And the only time you're allowed to ask for proof of whether or not a service animal is a service animal is um, whether or not it's reasonable that that animal will probe, will pose, excuse me, will pose a direct threat. Um, so you can't ask for proof that something, is, that a dog is a service animal just because you want proof of it unless that animal um, poses a direct threat to uh, somebody on the airplane. That's right. And that, that, uh, documentation request that is only for that specific animal that exactly. is leaving yeah. in a manner that could potentially be considered dangerous to either airline employees or other passengers. Um, and in those instances, the they can request uh, vaccination records, training records. Uh, behavioral history. Um, so, yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I like that you use the word instance, Clark, because that's really important that it's on a case-by-case -case basis, because I think a lot of times some people could say, oh, ha, 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 we're just going to say every animal is a direct threat. No, you can't do that. It's on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah. And otherwise, uh, similar to how everyone traveling or traveling just in their daily lives with service animals operate under the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, credible verbal assurance is all yep. that is required for a, somebody who's disabled uh, to be traveling with a service animal. Yeah, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, which again is a different law, but very similar and runs parallel to the ACAA, with the service animal, you're only allowed, allowed to ask 
do have a disability and is that a service animal and what tasks does it perform? So some very basic questions and if somebody can answer those questions, you're not allowed to go any further. And under the ACAA, you're basically allowed to ask pretty similar questions. And so if I can say, yes, this is my guide dog and I'm blind and um, she you know, guides me, that's, that's all they're allowed to ask. They're not allowed to probe any deeper. And it's just a, a verbal verification. That's right. And one thing that we started to notice popping up in the uh, service animal policies of airlines were that they had breed and species restrictions. Mm -hmm. Yep. So again, uh, specific to service animals and guide dogs, um, breed restrictions are something that we're not necessarily a fan of because a all dogs are different. Um, a lot of the behavior in animals, just like people, depends on how they are nurtured and how they are raised. Um, yep. There are two very common breeds within service animal uh, the workforce, shall we say? You get your Labradors <laughs> and you got your German Shepherds. You know, mm-hmm. Yes, there are others, but those are the two most common ones. Um, German Shepherds have, they are, shall we say, a reputation. <laughs> they are, are very strong willed um, yeah. and they work very hard. Sometimes their personalities can appear threatening. You know, some are more talkative than others. Sometimes people think anytime a dog makes a sound, it's going to eat you, you know, (laughs) Um, but that could just be how they are. So this is a a really important one to make sure that somebody's like, oh, you know, that dog looked at me. All dogs like that dog must be prohibited from flying. Yeah. So the long and the long and the short of this new um, aspect of the final statement says you cannot discriminate it based on breed. So a person who says they have a service animal can be as small as a chihuahua and as big as a St. Bernard. How you get that on a plane, I don't know. But (laughs) according to the policy, uh, it doesn't matter. So which probably will make all my friends laugh because I'm quite short and people have always joked that I should have a chihuahua as a guide dog. So I guess it could happen. (laughs) Well, Claire, as a lot of people saw on Facebook Live and at the annual convention in Rochester, um, you've got a new teammate. You have a new service animal. Uh, And you went to training at Guide Dogs for the Blind in California, correct? In California, yep, in the Bay Area, correct. And you flew home with your service animal. You flew to and from the convention. Um, yeah, I've flown several times since. Yeah. How was it for you flying with, uh, with your new service animal? You know what? Knock on wood, so far it's been great. I haven't experienced any difficulties. No one's asked me for any paperwork or proof that my dog is indeed a guide dog or a service animal. Um, it's It's been a really positive experience so far. I've had a few situations where I've heard other dogs or animals um, in the airport and kind of get excited to see my dog, which always makes me a little nervous. Um, but knock on wood, so far I haven't had any issues. Um, and I'm excited to see 
the implementation of this final statement and hope to see that it will make, you know, the the air travel for both myself and all of our members and all, all the entire blind community who's traveling with, with service animals. But yeah, knock on wood, so far, so good. Great. And as always, if people do have service animal related um, issues, uh, complaints, incidences that they would like some assistance with, you can always reach out to us at the national office uh, or send an email to advocacy at acb.org. Here at ACB, we will continue to reach out to the airlines, uh, especially those airlines who may need to amend their current service animal policies due to this final enforcement statement. We're happy to help. And one, one other thing just to make note of before we sign off is that this isn't the end of the FAA's work right. on this issue. Um, coming this fall, they are going to be putting out a notice for proposed rulemaking. Um, say that three times faster, an NPRM. And what a notice of proposed rulemaking is, for those who aren't familiar, it's basically a time when the government opens their doors and takes comments on these issues. Um, specifically, they'll put out questions on a, a particular topic, and this particular topic will be concerning um, all these different different types of dogs we've been talking about, the different categories, um, and as they pertain to the FAA. So um, we will undoubtedly put out um, messages on social media. We'll probably have another podcast episode. Um, we might put it out on our listservs. All that to say, keep your eyes and ears out because when it's time to submit comments on the NPRM, we would love input from all of our members um, in the blind community so that the FAA will hear the input of, of blind travelers. So please keep an eye out for that this coming, coming fall. That's right, Claire. And we did something similar earlier in the spring for filing video description comments, audio description comments at the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC. And we got great feedback from our members. Folks either filed their own comments or they sent their comments to ACB and we filed them on their behalf. And those comments, uh, believe it or not, they get read. They really do. Yeah. This is a way for you to make your voice heard and weigh in on a policy that affects you and the entire community. Yeah. Get your voice out there. Be heard. You know, it's part of our, our, our government, you know, where our voices need to be heard. And especially in the, the disability space where, you know, they don't necessarily understand what it's like to travel with a service animal or things like that. So please use your voice. It's important. And like Clark said, we'd be happy to help people in any way um, to draft those, to um, send those, to submit them, anything along the way, we'd be happy to assist. Yes, absolutely. So again, um, membership passed a resolution in 2018 about flying dogs. ACV has been hard at work. Not actually flying dogs, just dogs that fly. It'd be cool if they were flying dogs. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) And we consider this final enforcement statement uh, to be, you know, I I don't want to hang it like a a mission accomplished banner, but this is a good win for. It's a big step forward. Yes. Step forward. Yes. 
So, and like Claire said, uh, notice proposed rulemaking where members will be able to submit comments coming towards the end of 2019. And you will be sure to hear more from us on this issue. Great. Well, thank you so much, everybody, to tuning in to another episode of the Advocacy Update. Please uh, tune in again next week. We continue to come at you with different issues concerning the blind community and what we're doing here at the ACB National Office. And as always, if you have questions, comments, concerns, song lyrics, um, feel free to email us at advocacy at acb.org. That's right, Claire. And as we always say at the end of the podcast to sign off, keep advocating. It's been a hard-